Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. If you want to be secure, if you want to be compliant with the regulations and standards that apply to, to your environment, you can always dial back to five common denominators. People security, physical security, data security, infrastructure security, which is your franchises, your subsidiaries, your third parties, your applications, your cloud, your remote workers, and so on. And then crisis management, what do you do when something goes wrong? And so the, the five pillars of security framework is based around very simple business-related questions that everybody can answer in a nice way, in a nice and easy way. This is Matthew George. He's the CEO and founder of Trust. Matthew is an established authority on IT security and risk management with more than 20 years of international experience. He's also the author of The Cyber Elephant in the Boardroom. This conversation takes a deep dive into what cybersecurity is and why it's important for the C-suite to be heavily involved in this and what impact it can have if you get hacked. Matthew shares with us which areas of the business are most vulnerable and what you can do to close that interaction gap. We also discuss how you get cybersecurity and the agenda in a company and what you have learned working with some of the most progressive hospitality within cybersecurity. We also get some great insights into how to get started today to become better at cybersecurity by using a very simple five-step framework. Before you tune in, please sign up for a weekly newsletter, Maverick Talk, via hospitalitymavericks.com. Here you find much more insights into what Maverick leaders know and do, and you'll never miss an episode. And if you think this is probably not for me, remember there's only two kind of companies, the one that has and the one that have not yet been hacked. Enjoy. Today is the first. It's the first time definitely on the show that uh, we're actually talking about cybersecurity. And uh, some people think, what is that actually? And what does that actually mean? I've heard that word in the news or something with the banks and somebody getting into trouble because they were not on top of their things. We've all seen the, the headlines in the newspaper. And actually, this is actually crucial for, for the business we're in as we have adapted a lot of technology and become much more transparent. They're also much more vulnerable for this. And for this, I have a great guest to talk about that specific area, somebody that's, uh, that's done the miles and written a book and also worked with a lot of company, also hospitality companies on about how they actually become better at protecting themselves in the new reality of cyber 
crime. So welcome to the show, Matei. It's a great, great honor to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. So just for, for people out there to, to get a bit of context about, you know, what has your journey become to being able to write a book about this and also being working with a number of businesses, also global businesses on how they actually, you know, secure their cyber activities better. Yeah, so uh, as you said, my name is Mathieu Gorge. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called VG Trust, headquartered in Dublin, Ireland, with offices in the US and in France. I've been in cybersecurity for longer than I care to admit, probably about 25 years. Um, I started in actual network security and then in content security. Uh, and then I developed some some kind of passion for the whole idea of data and protecting the data and access to the data. So fast forward to today, um, what what I do is uh, with, with VG Trust, I, I I really help drive the growth of the company. We have clients in 120 countries, uh, specifically in the hospitality industry, financial services, healthcare, government, and and higher education. Um, we, you know, we provide tools that allow organizations to prepare for, validate and manage continuous compliance with legal and industry frameworks around protection of data, protection of systems, identity management and, and, and so on. So um, very, very attuned to the, the, the challenges that some uh, industries are faced with, specifically the hospitality industry. What what makes you actually stand out? What is your why and your purpose, and what is that you do on a day to day basis to actually you know deliver that compared to to many others that's in this space? Yeah, so uh, I suppose that we we look at cybersecurity in a slightly different way. We try to bridge the gap between the the C the C suite, so the CEO, CFO, and so on, and their technical partners like the CIO or the chief security officer. Um, too often, when we talk about cybersecurity and when we talk about compliance, uh, we talk about we tend as security professionals to talk about technology or to talk about the legal requirements to comply with control XYZ, whether it's a technical solution, some training or a policy or whatever. Um, and the challenge that the board will have, whether in, in any industry, uh, but but specifically right now in in in, finan in financial uh, services and in hospitality, is that we we tend to talk to them in a very technical language that doesn't relate to the business risk. Uh, and what, what we need to do is we need to translate the technical constraints and the technical regulations and the legal issues into a business risk. One of the things that really irritates me is when I hear that the board and the key decision makers don't understand risk. That is nonsense in my view, because they deal with risk all the time. Take uh, a group of hotels, for instance, that is buying uh, a new chain of hotels or that is saying, well, we're in luxury. We want to open some kind of a, an eco style hotel. Um, that's a huge risk. It's a huge growth risk. It's a huge HR potentially regulation risk. So like the board deals with risk every day. But when it comes to cyber risk, we, we don't talk about cyber risk the right way. And, and, and in addition to that, um, 
Cybersecurity is, to be frank, not as sexy as um, green stuff and climate changing things where the board tends to understand what's going on. They tend to see the value add. The issue with cybersecurity is uh, if you're a chief security officer and you do your job correctly, nobody knows your name. If something goes wrong, you're public enemy number one within within minutes, and it and and that stigma can actually stay with you for the rest of your career. So it's somewhat of a thankless job, and because it's a thankless job, um, it, it, it it's very difficult for people that take that job to manage to communicate with the rest of the of the the company, especially if they don't have an ally. Um, in, at the board level. And that ally is somebody that's going to sponsor their initiatives. And, and by sponsoring, I don't just mean giving them a budget. I mean being their champion at the board meetings to say, hey, this is, this is important. We just acquired a chain of hotels. We just sold a chain of hotels. We just bought a few spas to add to what we, what we are doing. All of those areas where inherently we are going to be taking some private data. So whether it's health data for spas, whether it's uh, uh, sporting related data, whether it's your credit card information, your passport information or whatever, all of that information that the hospitality industry tends to harvest, notwithstanding any type of loyalty system where not only do you have access to that type of data I just described, but you have a, you can also build a profile for me based on my behavior and my spending behavior. So all of that is a major challenge for the, the hospitality industry. But if we talk to the board and we say, you need to be in compliance with GDPR, with CCPA, with PCI, we lose them immediately. Yeah, and, and you put a very... Uh, so I read your book, The Cyber Elephant in the Boardroom, and in that book you make it very clear that there's def definitely a challenge between you know the, the business and then the boardroom to 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 communicate. But why is it so important if P you know the C-suite have employed people, you know the security officer or whoever is responsible for this area to take care of this, why it's so important they get engaged in this is uh, because uh, they have so many other things you just mentioned, you know, they have to acquire other businesses, they need to make sure there's growth, they need to make sure that the, the green policy in place. But why it is so important actually this comes up on, on board level? Well, so first of all, and, and this doesn't just apply to the hospitality industry, it's a what it's it's, a, it, it's an industry-wide thing, but uh, data is the new oil. So if you don't have, if you can't use your data, if you're being uh, audited by the regulator or the enforcement body, you, you, you're actually slowed down in your growth. The second one is that idea of customer trust, right? So um, if you think of a large deployment of hotels from chain XYZ and their smallest subsidiary in the middle of nowhere gets hacked, and that is actually linked to the company logo, the branding, the whole of the the portfolio will suffer from that breach, not just that small property that happened to maybe have 1,000 client records. It doesn't really matter. The, the damage is done from a, re a reputation perspective. So I always talk about uh, what I call the four bubbles of risks. 
where you have the geopolitical risks, you have the financial contractual risk, you then have everything that has to do with your image, your branding, your reputation. And then eventually you have all of the IT and disaster recovery planning and, and business continuity stuff. So all of this is actually covered in many regulations worldwide uh, for company directors, for company executives, and they have a duty of care to make sure that the data pertaining to their employees, to their clients, to their partners um, needs to be protected appropriately. And depending on where you are in the world, it's either extremely well-defined or it's open to interpretation. But either way, you need to have a security program in, in, in place. Um, the, the, the next thing to, to bear in mind is the cost of a breach, right? So obviously there are different surveys uh, like from Cisco and Verizon that tell you, well, if you're hacked or if there's a problem with a credit card, it's going to cost you about 20 to $30 per record. But that is just an industry average. Um, and, and the reality is that if you're uh, a small hotel and you've been hacked um, and it was linked to, say, credit card payments, you weren't in compliance with the, pay the payment card industry data security standard PCI DSS, then you're going to need to be assessed every year and you're going to need to get external assessors to validate all of that every year. And that might actually, that cost, if you're low on cash flow, could actually could actually close you. Um, the, the, the next element here, and I talk about it in, in, in the book, the, the Cyber Elephant in the Boardroom, is how key decision makers react to, um, to questions about cybersecurity. And I call this the, the five stages of cyber grief. And the first stage is denial. This is cyber. Don't talk to us. Our job is to grow the business, to create profits for shareholders, uh, to pay tax, to employ people. Just, just leave us alone. We have enough risk to deal with. That's not a major risk. The next stage is anger. Leave us alone. We've already told you, go and talk to the chief security officer, to the compliance officer. We gave you money for fouls, for training. What more do you want? Leave us alone. The next one is bargaining. Okay, I see that another chain of hotels has been uh, breached. I see that a, a quick sell restaurant chain has been attacked. I see that some of our competitors were not able to, to trade because of a denial of service attack. I see that some of them are getting visits from the regulator. Uh, I'll get a, a big company to come in and do an assessment. They'll write a five-year plan and that will be me off the hook. And of course, that's not true. It's a good start, but it's really not you off the hook. Um, then comes depression. Oh my God, we have been hacked. Uh, our name is in the public domain now as a, as, a, as a chain of restaurants or hotels or spas that is not secure for credit card data or customer data. The regulator is in the lobby and they are demanding to speak to the chair of the board and to the chief security officer. By the way, who's the security officer? Hey, I, well, I don't remember. Um, so that's the depression stage. And then eventually you get to the acceptance and the acceptance is, okay, well, let's try and find out what kind of data, how much of data do we collect? How do we collect it? Do we really need it? Can we reduce that scope? And can we put in place a, a three-year plan with very quick wins in the first six to 12 months, uh, pretty much guaranteed, but longer term wins for year two and aspirational wins for year three that you can work with the regulators or the enforcement body with. And, and that's something that 
once you get to that stage, you know that you're on to something. And I always say, and it's covered in the book as well, that security is a journey and not a destination. So you, it's a continuous journey. You can be PCI compliant at one point in time. You can be GDPR compliant. You can have the best security because you, 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 you have the right policies, the right training, the right systems. But the minute your environment changes, your threat vectors change, change and your attack surface change. And again, I go back to that idea of, you know, the, the hospitality industry is one of those industries where there's a lot of movement. Right. So it wouldn't be unusual to have a chain of hotels uh, acquiring another one and then selling some other parts. And so what happens with all of the legacy data, you know, uh, and, and, and it's also interesting to see that um, uh, you look at the way a hotel works and you look at uh, the property management system. Right. So. Uh, now you are used to having all of your properties with PMS one, you acquire one of your competitors, but they use a completely different PMS um, and they have different policies, different training. That's creating a gap, like a, a, a security air gap uh, where you're not exactly quite sure what's happening. Um, so security during the merger and acquisition process within the hospitality industry is something that's super important. And we can't talk to the board in technical terms for that. So uh, in the book, I came up with, um, actually, I, I built that 12 years ago, so a long time before the book. But um, in, in the book, I, I cover what I call the five pillars of security framework, which is a super simple industry agnostic, size agnostic, region agnostic framework that basically states that if you need to if you want to be secure, if you want to be compliant with the regulations and standards that apply to, to your environment, you can always dial back to five common denominators. People security, physical security, data security, infrastructure security, which is your franchises, your subsidiaries, your third parties, your applications, your cloud, your remote workers, and so on. And then crisis management, what do you do when something goes wrong? And so the, the five pillars of security framework is based around very simple business um, related questions that everybody can answer in a nice way, in a nice and easy way. So it would be um, about physical security. I am confident that nobody can get into our properties within the restricted areas. And the answer would be yes, absolutely. Yes, I think so. No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. And then you, you have what I call the red flag questions. Uh, I don't care or it doesn't apply to my business. And unfortunately, when we use the, the questionnaire the first time around, we get a lot of red flags. Uh, if somebody says to you, physical security doesn't doesn't matter in my hotel or in my restaurant, they're, they're grossly mistaken, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that, that was a very good download because that's exactly the, uh, the problem you describe in the book. And it made me think, and I started asking around, with a couple of CEOs I met, and there's no doubt about there was not hundred percent clarity about what exactly cybersecurity meant in their universe, and that that leads me to, to a question I want to uh, uh, to ask you as well. Like, okay, I'm listening into this. I'm actually thinking, yeah, yeah, we 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 okay with this, and then more and more listening into our conversation today, I actually start to ask myself. Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm 
those, you know, five phases you mentioned from denial to actually have a plan, the five pillars. I'm starting now to some questions starting in my head. So which areas should I normally, let's say in a hospitality context, start to ask myself, where are we on, you know, best practice in the industry? If I have to go back in as a CEO and look at my business, what is it that right now in the world we live in right now, where we are, I really, really just need to be absolutely 100% sure. I will call them foundations as well. If there is a universal foundation or every business is different, I don't know. Uh, I mean, every business is different, but generally speaking, in the hospitality industry, just like in the airline industry, you need to think about the customer journey, right? So I'm a, 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 I'm a traveler, I travel all the time, and I book my hotel online. And when I book online, I either log in with my uh, the, the frequent flyer or frequent uh, uh, traveler uh, login details that I hope are kept securely by by the hotel chain and they have my preferences and they know the kind of room that I want. Uh, they know I want breakfast. They know I want a balcony. They have all of that information. Perhaps it's my first time doing that. So I'm going to upload a picture of my passport. Uh, perhaps they're going to ask me to upload information about my credit card and they're going to ask me, do you want us to save that for you? So that's, that's the, the, the pre-arrival thing. Um, and then when I, between the time I book and the time I arrive, you're going to bombard me with offers to go to the spa, do something else. And when I get to the check-in, I'm going to be asked for uh, uh, to show my ID and generally speaking, to give a credit card, even though I might have one on file. So you can already see that before I even get to my room, the, the hotel uh, manager of the hotel chain already has several copies of my a very very sensitive information that I willingly provided. Um, once I'm in, once I'm in the hotel, uh, I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to get changed uh, and I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to have a drink before I meet my friends, and then I'm going to go to the restaurant. And then before I go to bed, I'm going to book myself for a spa or a tennis lesson or whatever it is that I want to do in my spare time after my conference. And again, this is building a behavior that, that, that is linked to my data. This is building a profile that you know, could be of interest to somebody. Um, so when you look at this as a CEO of a hotel, and you go back to the technical people and you say, OK, now I understand all of those different channels where we collect uh, private information, sensitive information. So are we good for credit cards at the bar? Are we good for credit cards at reception? Are we good for credit cards at the spa? Uh, do we keep uh, copies of IDs? If so, why and how do we keep them? How long do we, you know, how long do we need to keep them? Um, and and the next question will be, OK, so what happens if those systems go down? Can we operate? Can we not? Um, the next thing is to map that environment, right? So um, I, I often talk about ecosystem diagrams. And an ecosystem diagram is not a technical diagram. It's a diagram that shows all of the different business units within your property or within your organization. and for each of the data flows, you can map out the sensitivity of the data and the technical controls, the policies, 
and this, the training that you provide around it. Um, so it, it, it's not rocket science, but you need to maintain it. What, one of the other things that any uh, hospitality provider needs to do is to, generally speaking, to comply with, with, with PCI because they take credit card payments. PCI requires, uh, under requirement 12.6, that you train all staff upon hire and, and uh, annually thereafter on, on credit card security and credit card security within your organization. Um, and, and there's a lot of requirements for policies and procedures and technical stuff that, that you need to have in place. Um, so what, where you want your company to be, your hotel uh, or your chain to be, is where you have a dashboard that says, hey, I have 1,200 properties throughout the U.S. I have a mix of luxury, uh, mid-range and eco properties. And I know what PMS is used in which I know what credit card provider we use or payment service provider we use. I know what firewalls I know and so on. And that allows you to map your ecosystem. Once you've mapped it, you can actually protect it. And once you protect it, you can make this a continuous process, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like you actually need to get involved as the senior leader to actually put this agenda on the, uh, you know, to surface to people this is important and actually start to understand where you actually collect all your data and what your risk situation is there how safe is it and you know asking the question why are we actually doing what we're doing and exactly at the best standard we can get uh, absolutely and and I, I go back to one of the the very well-known business characteristics of the the hospitality industry there's a lot of m a right so uh, there's a lot of companies that sell, companies that buy, there's franchisors that will buy all of the luxury hotels around one specific airport or all of the mid, mid, mid-sized hotels in one particular region. There's others that will try and buy all of the, the hotels from chain one or chain two within an area or within, uh, within an airport. And so you, you have loads of different configurations here, but what is for sure is that at some stage, they're going to do due diligence on the properties that they're buying. Now, when you do due diligence, you're supposed to look at uh, the, the, the state of cybersecurity of the organization that you're acquiring or selling. So what kind of data do they take? How do they protect it? Have they been a victim of a breach? Uh, are they in compliance with PCI? Are they in compliance with GDPR? Do they have a chief security officer? So these are things that, you know, at board level, at the very least, um, when you do your due diligence, you should have a preset number of questions around cybersecurity and around compliance. That That's a, an absolute must. If you don't have that, at some stage, you're going to inherit a group of properties that are going to cause trouble for you from a security and from a, a data compliance perspective. If we say now like a, an executive level that what you are saying and what in, in principle I agree is like suddenly cybersecurity has become an important leadership skill. It's something you need to understand. You need to, you know, assess it. You need to be able to ask the right questions because that's your job as the leader. What, what would be, you know, how do I become better at this? You know, you can get your book that will definitely help giving an overview. I can recommend that book and it definitely brought me back on the radar of like, again, oh, back to the, the books I had in 
actually when I was studying technology and uh, had to ask questions when I was implementing more workforce related systems in McDonald's actually some of the same security questions and good stakeholder management within IT governance and so on where, where, how do I become better at this where do I go train there's so much other places I can go train to be coaching better I can learn cash flow and so on where, where do I actually become better at this well I, I, I think that the, the, the first thing you need to do is, as a senior leader, is try and understand where you're at with regards to the, the five stages of grief. Are you in complete denial? Are you just angry? Are you trying to bargain a little bit? Uh, are you totally depressed because you've just been hacked? Or are you at the acceptance stage? Um, so that's the first thing. The, the, the second thing is to use simple, free of charge, widely available models like the five pillars of security to benchmark yourself uh, against the best practices and to benchmark the rest of the board against the, those same principles. Now, I obviously am biased towards the five pillars of security, but there are other models out there that are, that, that are very good too. Um, the, the next thing is to assign a champion at board level. Uh, who's going to be your champion? Uh, it shouldn't necessarily be the CEO. Uh, it shouldn't necessarily be the, the CIO or CTO. Perhaps it's your chief legal and compliance officer. Perhaps it's your CFO, somebody that whose job would be amazingly and negatively impacted if you had a credit card breach, for instance. Uh, but you need to assign somebody who is responsible uh, uh, and who will be the champion for cybersecurity at board level. You definitely need to have a compliance team. You definitely need to have a security officer and you definitely need to check that you're following best practices. Again, uh, the, the, the hospitality in, uh, industry has some very specific issues in that there's so much private information that is taken by, by that industry in order to, to work. But uh, bear in mind that you, the growth of a chain of hotels or restaurants or spas or whatever is based on customer trust. Um, I, you know, I travel so much. I, I know the airlines I can trust. I know the chains of hotels I can trust. I don't like it when I go to a hotel and they ask me, can they take a copy of my credit card? Literally photocopy my card. I'm like, what well, do you know what I do for a living? You know, there's no way you should, you should be doing that. Um, equally, as a hotel, I can't stop a customer from sending an email to info at hotelxyz.com saying, hey, I'd like to stay in your hotel for two nights, that type of room. Here's a, it, my, my credit card number is this, expiry date is that, CVE is that. So, but as a company operating all of those hotels, I need to put the right systems in place such that if that happens, that that transaction is quarantined or it's actually blocked and it gives an, an automatic message that says it looks like you're sending a credit card, credit card details don't do that give us a call or use that link um so the, the the next thing i suppose is to try and work on that kind of three-year plan right and it's very very important to get those quick wins six months a year now the quick wins will be training your staff you can do that through e-learning it's it's easy through games and so on making sure you have the right policies we have a set of 13 policies that we recommend everybody has 
that list is in the book. It's actually on our website. It's, it's all free of charge. Just benchmark yourself against that. Um, try and make sure you've got the right team in place. Get a third party company to do an external pen test because they will be able to see what a hacker would be able to see. And it's not a case that you're going to end up back in denial. You're going to end up in the stage where you're like, okay, um, I need to accept where I am and I have a gap here. This is how I'm going to address the gap next six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. And I would, I would separate the, the, the wins into three areas, uh, technical setups and solutions, policies and procedures, and then training, because that's what the regulators are going to see. Um, Another thing that that is really gaining traction in the industry uh, across all sectors is the idea of turning security into an asset. Um, and so if you look at a balance sheet of an organization, you look at PNLs and so on, you, you look at the costs of security. Right now, security generally is only seen as a cost. Right, so there's the cost of the firewalls, the cost of the antivirus, the cost of the training, the cost of X, Y, Z. But that's because it's it's being seen as a cost because there's no revenue coming in, right? And there's no assets that you can depreciate. So why don't you separate out the pure security systems from the generic IT systems and then start putting an asset value on the security systems and monitor that asset value on the company's financial statements. That way, every time the board meets up, they'll have a line for cyber assets. They'll also have a line for cyber liabilities, but they currently have a line for other assets and other liabilities. So now you, you, you're starting to somewhat monetize or at the very least putting a value on all of that effort. Um, and, and then when the regulator comes, you can, you can even say, well, this is what we've done. We've, we, we know all of this is how much we spend on, on cybersecurity. These are the assets we are depreciating over two to three years. Um, and this is how we protect all of that. And, and that demonstrates that you're taking accountability for the cyber problem or the cyber challenges. It's super interesting what you said there in the end, because one of the things I've learned over probably the last running my own businesses uh, is that your, your job actually as a CEO or founder or any business is actually to build assets uh, and actually make sure you can explain the value of these assets even to people who want to buy your business or regulators to that example and actually are just to to quantify what you do besides profit and sales because it's all these valuable assets you build in here that really builds the value of the brand and I guess also what you've seen is that uh, you know some of some some companies in hospitality are really good at this and actually this they see it I could imagine they see this as a potential way of protecting their brand as well and the brand value they have spent so many years building and that trust they had with people that can disappear because suddenly you are having my most dearest details to have access to my financial life and even maybe my private life and I don't want to share that with anyone uh, is there anyone in the industry where you can say these are companies you know as you said it's a journey uh, it's impossible to be perfect but you need if you're on the journey and you're actually executing towards you know want to achieve the highest standards 
then then you you you're far ahead of of many others. But is there any companies where you can share they are, are doing really great work within this area and actually seeing some of the benefits when you talk about building assets? Yeah, I mean we we work with many organizations in in the hospitality industry, but um, there's a an open case study for Accor Hotels um, on the PCI the payment card industry data security standard site that covers how they went about building a continuous program. Uh, it so happens that it was with, with Vigitrust, but that's nearly irrelevant. The, what, the, what matters here is that they looked at their ecosystem, they look at the risks, uh, and they built a, a really, uh, really creative, robust, continuous plan that allows them to stay ahead of the, of the risks. Now, um, the risks change all the time as a consumer. Uh, and that's another point for, for, for our listeners today is that I can accept that something will go wrong at some stage, but I want to know to some extent that if something goes wrong, well, I'm not going to be out of pocket. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, you're going to give me free credit monitoring. If you can, you're going to make sure that my account is reset. You're going to make sure that if a hacker got access to all of my points, I get refunded for those points and you're going to absorb that loss internally because it's not my fault the points were stolen and those points actually have a value for my assets uh, my company assets because i'm traveling on behalf of the company um so we've seen a lot of fraud around points and around loyalty systems as well so i want to know that as as a consumer you're going to protect everything that 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 i'm entrusting you with you know and i mean we we live in a world of trust so you know, I get on a plane, I, I trust that the, the, the pilot is not drunk, I trust that the maintenance people have done their, their job, that the ATC is going to tell the pilots if there's uh, uh, an issue with the weather, and so on. I go to the hotel, I trust that my room is clean, I trust that if I go to the restaurant, I'm not going to be poisoned, but equally, I trust that if I give you my credit card data and a copy of my passport, it's not going to be multiplied by 10 and that uh, any employee is going to be able to actually access it and print it and book loads of stuff online with it that evening. You know, it's 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 a trust thing, I think. And, and coming back to the to the trust and actually tying that into a bit of the future as well, because you said data is the new oil, and uh, we have to protect that data. But, but what does technology and data play in your view in, in the role of hospitality? There's still like a lot of discussions about, you know, how important is lots of leaders talk about we need to implement tech to make efficiencies or reach the customers. But actually, what role does this all pay? And then you can maybe tie it together with, you know, the the reason why, again, emphasize why the power of cybersecurity is going to be so critical. So again, I would go back to what are you trying to change within the customer journey, right? So are you creating an app that's going to allow me to do more stuff uh, without having to show my ID, without having to re-authenticate? Am I going to be able to use my mobile device to open the, the door? Um, so, I mean, we've done some work for, for companies that specialize in uh, mobile apps for the car rental industry, um, which is, I suppose, a, a related industry where uh, I get to the airport 
and I get a text message that says, we can see that Mathieu, we can see you arrived at the airport, your car is parked at wherever. And then when you come near the card, uh, you put in your, your near the car, you put in your, your phone and there's a reader within the car that says, oh, that's Mathieu's phone. We're then gonna ask for further authentication, like a code, one text, text message, one side code that comes in. And, and then we'll know it's Matthew and we'll let him go with the car. Um, so it, the, the question really is, how are you transforming that journey? And what are the, what are the critical security and governance aspects? And, and that's a major challenge for, for any industry when you transform the, the digital experience, because the, the transformation comes from the creativity of the sales and marketing team and the operational team, um, maybe from ideas from the board, but it certainly rarely comes from security because security is often only consulted afterwards. Um, and so what, what my piece of advice here is to make sure that in any uh, digital transformation or customer journey change, that you're implementing, that um, the, 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 the people responsible for that are put in touch with your champion within the board so that you connect those dots and you don't end up with an amazing customer experience, which will be the death of you by 20 breaches within a week. You know, you don't, you don't want that, right? So, um, and, it, and, and again, the, the question is, how does this digital transformation how does this new service impact on my data flow and therefore on my data ecosystem, therefore on my compliance and my security? And what do I need to do in order to stay compliant and stay secure? Well, th the answer to that is I need to do security by design. And in order to do security by design, you let the creative people do uh, what we call a functional specification this is the features or these are the features and the benefits we want to provide to customers. But then that goes to the security and compliance team that says, actually, this is too dangerous or this could be done better. But the challenge then is, is it's a double-edged sword because you don't want the security people to be the department of no. Sorry, guys, can't do that. There's always a way of doing things, you know? So um, I, I do think that the future for the hospitality in industry is much more digital than it is right now. Uh, I, I also do think that um, right now there's good integration between various players, but we're going to see some more integration so that it's a, it's a more seamless experience. But every time we integrate one system with another, we potentially increase the risk surface. Right. So that's something we need to keep in mind. Yeah. And that's super interesting because I definitely see that as well. Like integration of employee data integration of customer data that can be highly 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 sensitive uh things so that's definitely some question to ask yourself as you are switching on more digital tools around your business both on the employee and, and the customer journey what about what has have been you like one of your most significant learnings we had some crazy years and probably more ahead of us in business as it looks right now uh, what has been, you know, your most significant learning as a you're also a business leader on a day to day basis? Yeah, so I mean, twenty twenty two has been a, a very interesting year for many many reasons, not not all good reasons. Um, 
you know, from a geopolitical risks perspective, uh, Russia invading Ukraine has completely shifted some some of the things that we thought were taken for that we we were taking for for granted, like access to energy uh, and so on. We've seen a huge rise of ransomware, and we expect a huge rise uh, of of uh, virtual attacks, cyber attacks from Russia to 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 continue for the next 12, 12 to eighteen months. Um, we we we've also seen uh, uh, nationalization of Western assets in Russia, uh, including hotels and restaurants and so on. And, uh, uh, you know, beyond losing the brand and so on, uh, a number of organizations have actually lost their data because they weren't able to repatriate the data or to even get a copy of the data. Um, and so right now, with all the, t- the, the tensions in, in China, we, we, we it, it, the internal tensions, we, we believe that there might be even more control coming out. and. W- you know, I think that a tabletop exercise uh, for global chains, global hospitality players should definitely involve what happens if I lose those physical assets? What happens if I lose that data? Um, or what happens if I don't lose that, but I'm no longer able to deal with that organization because of the sanctions? What if my governance program is coming out of Europe or US or Australia? And there's a sanction and I can't actually push it out to my properties that are still operating in, in Russia or in some other different zone that is that, that, that is essentially being isolated. So that that's interesting. The, the other interesting stuff was uh, the impact of Brexit on, on data protection. Everybody talked about the movement of people and goods, but what about the movement of data with the ICO being on their own now? So, you know, if you're a European chain in hospitality, you most likely have data in the UK. You most likely need to send data in and out. Right now, there's adequacy until 2025, but if things change, it it could change. And again, you need to have a tabletop exercise to to know what's happening. Um, In terms of attacks on leaders. Um, We've seen in the last two years, not just in 2022, but we've seen a a significant increase on CEO fraud and uh, attacks on on leaders. Um, And the idea is you either attack the CEO or the leaders and you blackmail them for whatever, uh, or it's a pure ransomware attack, or even more sophisticated, they're going to build a profile on me as the CEO and sending an email to my CFO asking them to make an urgent transfer for whatever good reason. Uh, and, and it just goes back to, to, to key training. Um, I, I also think that, you know, I spoke about digital transformation. Uh, we, let's look at COVID, right? So uh, in and around mid-March 2020, uh, the hospitality industry was literally decimated because nobody could travel. Uh, and those who could travel didn't want to travel, they wanted to be left alone. Um, so we, we've had to rethink the way that we travel and rethink the way that, that, that we live our lives. And um, COVID has left this huge void of data that wasn't attended to for about 18 months. Um, and so, you you know, compliance was the, the least of any hotel manager's worries. 
right? The, the worry was, am I going to stay alive? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be able to wait it out uh, or, or am I going to close, you know? And so um, that has created some, some, some problems around, um, around legacy data for the hospitality industry. Um, equally, it has created a lot of, uh, a, a, a lot of opportunities. We, we, we have seen a, a number of properties uh, having this completely touchless experience where at the beginning when things were opening again, you were doing everything online and you were using your, your mobile device to actually get into the hotel. And so that has increased the risk surface. It's much better. We are actually keeping those features, but they need to be secured. Um, so I think we have a bit of work to, to do on, on that front. That's a super insights there about the future, but also things like some top advice on, you know, how should actually, now what is it that you should get on the conversation going around with the things going on geopolitically, but also from a, a, a safety point of view, different places in the world, and especially if you operate across borders. Um, and I know a lot of the listeners here probably has businesses that's involved both in the UK and outside the UK, which uh, it's one big, big issue right now on, on many areas of not just security, but also flow of goods and people and so on. So this is another one to add to that, the risk conversation around that. That's the, one more question before we finish off, uh, I would love to ask you, like, and it's more around that if there was one question you wished I asked you, what would that be and what would you have answered? Well, uh, I often get asked if we are doomed um, because there are so many challenges. Um, and my answer to that is I don't think so. I think that uh, we we now have the best technology we've ever had and that it's, it's easier to authenticate people. It's, it's, it becomes easier to track transactions, to get non-repudiation, to reduce the scope of compliance by using, for instance, point-to-point -point encryption for, for terminals and in restaurants and hotels and so on. So from that perspective, uh, we're doing very well. Uh, but I do think we are still making the same mistakes. Um, and I was actually uh, speaking at um, one of the Vigitrust Global Advisory Board events in, uh, in France recently. And so the, this is kind of a, a non-commercial group of 850 members from 30 countries who get together to talk about the future, to do a bit of design thinking and so on. And um, we... Um, at the end of my presentation on geopolitical risks, I used the, I used the agenda slide from uh, 10 years ago. And I, I used it because uh, out of the seven topics I was covering, five were still the same. Ransomware, user awareness, knowing your, uh, your network, getting the board to understand, getting a budget, making it continuous and preparing for the unknown. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's not rocket science, you know, but we have to learn from mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. We all make mistakes and God knows I've made many mistakes. Um, but one of the things that we need to do is we need to surround ourselves with other people like the folks at the advisory board who actually share best practices, but they also share where something went wrong. 
so that if you did something wrong, I don't have to make that same mistake and vice versa. Um, and, and I, I do think that maybe it's a human thing um, that, uh, of course, the technology is going to change, the, the user experience is going to change and so on. But the basics of what we're trying to do doesn't change. And that's why I think the five pillars of security is quite good because it's timeless, it's industry agnostic, it's region agnostic. And um, I don't have, at least a few years ago, I didn't have a technical bone in me. Um, and I came up with this for people like me that are originally business people, not cyber experts. So that, that's a, another great advice, like, you know, maybe have a look at those and actually start to educate yourself a bit on, on the language and understanding what questions you need to, to ask to get on top of cybersecurity because it's here and it's just going to get more as we get more digitalized, as you said, uh, Matteo. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. But before we we leave, uh, where where will be people able to find all your great resources uh, if they want to connect with you, if they want to know more about Veggie Trust and and, and what you guys are up to? So thank you very much for for having me. Really enjoyed our our conversation and always happy to provide insights if I can. Um, You can visit vigitrust.com, V-I-G-I-T-R-U-S-T.com. Uh, there's also a website called matthewgorge.com in, in one word, M-A-T-H-I-E-U-G-O-R-G.com. Uh, the Cyber Elephant in the Boardroom is available on, on Amazon or from our website. Um, and information about the Vigitrust Global Advisory Board, which is free of charge, uh, is available on, on our website. Um, so if you've got any questions, also feel free to connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Um, I think the the strength of the cybersecurity industry comes from the information, knowledge, and sharing. So don't be shy if you if you if you want to share your ideas, your insights, provide feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm I'm available for that. It was an absolute pleasure. We'll put all that uh, info in the the show notes for people to be able to find it there. Thank you so much, uh, Matthew, and have uh, an uh, amazing. Uh, time ahead and i'm looking forward to follow your your work and all the 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 positive impact you are trying to do to build better businesses thank you very much i really appreciate that you're listening in so if you enjoyed today's conversation please share with others rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com I believe that reading the right books is the key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bitsimply or bitsimply hq you can also email them directly at podcast at bitsimply.com thank you to fina charlson who is the show producer from the podcast collective if you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts reach out to me via linkedin or via my email michael at hospitalitymavericks.com i'm michael tinkser and you've been listening to the hospitality maverick podcast show Be Maverick.